Thank you. Okay, if I get too quiet, say something, because um, I I know what it is to uh, have hearing issues. So if you if I'm uh, too quiet, let me know. Um, I said to somebody this morning uh, uh, that I was quite excited to hear what I was going to say this morning. So um, <coughs> I'm very nervous. Um, the best thing to do in those situations is come to the Father and ask for his help. So let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for the sacrifice of your son on the cross for us. We pray that you would open your word to us today and that your spirit would minister in our hearts. It would take the word and and change us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so our text today is from 2 Corinthians. And 2 Corinthians is an interesting book because in it, Paul spends a lot of time justifying his existence or justifying his role as apostle to the Gentiles. And uh, the reason he was doing this was because um, other teachers had arrived in Corinth and they were contesting his authority. Um, and having started the church and having um, worked to, to raise the church and, and build people up in Christ, he was concerned that they would be led astray, that they would be uh, convinced to follow either um, the traditional Judaism or, or some other teaching. And in the middle of this um, defense of his authority, Paul is driven to, maybe by desperation, to um, explain what his motivations are in reaching people. And we're going to read today this, um, where he lays bare why he does what he does. And it's in 2 Corinthians um, 5 verses 14 to 21, and I'm just going to get my ESV because that's the version that you guys have. So let's read it together. Um, I will read it for you. If you can open up and follow along. Starting at verse 14 of 2 Corinthians 5. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, Therefore, all have died, and he died for all, that those who might live, or those who live, might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is... Oh, I'll stop there. Um, I want to look in detail at this passage and look at what what it says about how we are transformed when we come to Christ. In the NIV, um, verse 14 says, 
For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. So, um, um, Paul's saying that um, the thing that drives him day by day and I suspect the thing that drives Fred and Feli day by day is Jesus' love shown for them on the cross. The love of Jesus is the driving force of Paul's ministry. The love that drove Jesus to die for us is a fuel that keeps Paul going day by day. Let's look at Romans chapter 5, verse 6 to 8. says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man, some might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Today we celebrated how Jesus gave his body and blood as a sacrifice sufficient to pay for all our sins. We need to ponder these things and revel in them. We need to explore the depth of Christ's love every day. Because it's this that can provide us with hope, with motivation to serve him. The more we dwell on and dwell in Jesus' love, the more we'll be motivated to reach out to others with truth and love. So if you're like me, I find it hard to share my faith with people. I get scared. What will they think? But if we view what Christ has done as a wonderful thing, if we think about how he gave up his life for us, and that through him, we can be saved and have the hope of eternal life. Then we'll want to share with others. We'll want to share what good we have found. Not because we're better, but because we, in our poverty, have found something wonderful, something valuable. One died for all, it says in Second um, Corinthians 5 here. Paul was convinced, he was compelled by this fact that one died for all. Jesus Christ loves all people. He didn't just die for us. The more we realize this, we'll be compelled to share his love in our neighborhood, in our workplace, in our home, or around the world. In the end, it's the same thing. Um, and again, to share it not out of a sense of obligation, but to share it out of a sense of the beauty of what we have and how much it would help others.
Now, let's look at the next phrase. Um, 2 Corinthians 5. One died for all, and therefore all died. What does that mean? We had a great lesson in Sunday school this morning, and uh, the, the, the teacher on the video was going into this in depth. When we come to Christ, we are transformed. We die to our old life, and we are raised to our new life. In Galatians 2.20, Paul says, I am crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live. Christ now lives in me, and the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So it's like in baptism, we are crucified with Christ, we go down. Our old nature is destroyed, and we are raised new in Christ. Now, um, you can read more about that in Romans chapter 6, how we are dead to sin. But you might be thinking, I don't feel dead to sin this morning. Um, I wrestle with sin. I wrestle with it minute by minute. And if you read Romans chapter 7, you'll find out that Paul felt exactly the same thing, even though he had clearly come to Christ many years before. Um, let's read it. Romans chapter 7, verses 21 to 25. Again, I have the NIV, so it will sound a little bit different. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another, work at law, another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind, making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself, in my mind, am a slave to God's law, but in the sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. So, Paul feels every day the pull of sin on his life, even though he has been transformed and raised in Christ. But the good news is that feelings are not the end of the story. If we flip over the page, read in Romans 8, uh, verses 9 to 11. You, however, are, not, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Christ Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. We struggle with sin, even though we have been born again. The secret is Christ's work within us. 
the work of the Spirit changing us. And we had a great description in a Sunday school this morning of how he starts with our thoughts, then our desires, then our relationships, uh, our will, and then our relationships. And this is the work that Christ does within us. Sometimes the struggles are deep. We need to go to God in prayer for help in those struggles. And he will give us the help of his spirit. He will sometimes direct us to other believers who can help us overcome. And that's the great thing. He has a way for us to overcome. He has a life for us in Christ. On to um, 2 Corinthians 5. Verse 15. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. So, when we become a believer, we are, our, our, old, our old self is done away with. We are given a new self that cannot overcome through the Spirit. But there's a purpose. We are raised to live for Christ. Christ. Are you living for Christ? Do you understand that he bought you and he owns you and that he is the one who should direct everything that you do? It sounds pretty intimidating when we think, I belong to Christ, he owns me, he has the authority to tell me what to do. But my experience is that it's been an adventure that Christ has brought me um, through so many things and um, that there's been a joy in life, an adventure in life that I wouldn't have had otherwise. Um, So I would challenge you to live for Christ. If we have chosen Christ as our Savior, if he has chosen us, then there's no option. We are his. We need to live for him. So we got a new life. We have the spirit of Christ in us. And we have a new perspective. Paul says, So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Coming to Christ changes the way we think. It changes the way we see. It changes the perspective that we look at the world from. Um, We look at people, we begin to look at people, and we grow in it, looking at people as God looks at them, with compassion and love. 
We see their need for forgiveness and salvation. We look at Jesus in a different way too. Before we are saved, it's easy to think cynically about Jesus and his claim to be God. When we come to Christ, we realize he really is God. That changes how we think about him. He is God, all-powerful and all-knowing. He knows everything about us, the good and the bad, and yet he loved us enough to die for us. Verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. It's not just that we have died to sin. In fact, we have been remade in Christ. We were dead in our sins, but God gave us a new life in Christ. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5 talks about it. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. So we're a new creation in Christ. Um, This is the ultimate transformation. It's a thing which defines the before and after in our lives. There was before we came to Christ and after. He remains with us no matter what other situations we may encounter. Hebrews 13.5 says, Never will I leave you nor forsake you. Or, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. No matter what we go through, he will always be with us, and we know that the end will turn out for good. Let's go on. Um... Because we are saved for a purpose. As I said before, all this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. This is what you've been hearing about today. Um, what is reconciliation? A restoring of friendly relations, relationship between two parties who were in conflict. Our sin was a conflict between us and God. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. Because God is a God of justice, he must punish sin by condemning us who have sinned to hell. But God is a God of love as well. So he made a way that we could be reconciled with him. He came down and became a person. He lived a life just like you and I. Though he had done no wrong, he went to the cross and died. On the cross, God took everything that you and I have done and put the punishment for that on him. If we choose to follow Christ, then we can be forgiven because that punishment has been paid. 
But that's not the end of the story. We have been reconciled with God to reconcile. God has both reconciled us to himself and given us the ministry of reconciliation. This means that you and I have a mission, a purpose in life. So often we talk about um, how the church gives us a nice sense of security. People need security and they need a sense of importance. But in Christ we are secure. But for all the gung-ho guys out there or people who want a mission, we have a mission. We have a mission in Christ. That is to bring this message of reconciliation all over the world. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Have you been reconciled to God? If we each look in our own lives, we can see times when we disobeyed him, when we sinned. There's a penalty for that. Christ died to pay for that. In Isaiah 53, verse 6, it says, He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. He has already paid the price. Are you willing to accept what he has done and live as his child, live for him? That's the question. If you have been reconciled to Christ, what steps do you need to take to understand that you have been transformed and to live out that transformation of your life? What steps do you need to take to share the gospel with others? Those are the things I wanted to share this morning. We are transformed. We are transformed for a purpose. In him, we can overcome sin. In him, we can fulfill our purpose of sharing the gospel. Thanks very much.